This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Cavalry Audio. To start off 2023, an absolute media blitz from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, England's Prince Harry and his wife Meghan Markle, a Netflix special, the release of Harry's tell-all book, interviews on Oprah in 60 Minutes, pretty much all you hear people talking about right now are either one, what's going on with Harry and Meghan, or two, God, I can't stand hearing any more about Harry and Meghan. You might be calling it frivolous, you might call it tacky, but what you cannot call it is irrelevant. And since what we do here on the prevailing narrative is discuss topics of public interest, yes, that's what we do, we will be talking about it. And joining us here today to talk about it is Los Angeles. Based, uh, LA based rural commentator Kinsey Schofield. She's also the host of the To Die For Daily podcast. Kinsey, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, I never thought I'd saw I'd see the day that you were talking about Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Hell has frozen Why? over. Interesting. I'm. I'd be into one. Interest. You know, we we connected on social media. So, what based on our our digital interactions led you to believe that? Didn't didn't strike you as a Harry and Meghan commentator? Yeah, I just, you know, I feel like you are above the frivolous. You seem to focus on things that are of value and really affect the world. And these two are such a waste of oxygen, if I'm being honest. Fair enough. However, the part we we're living, as we'll get into, we're living in the golden era of what I believe is fake humanitarianism. And mm. I think one of the things that you see what I do talk about on social media, quite often it is people who are trying to paint themselves as the good guys who are, in fact, the bad guys. And these two are a perfect example of that. Um, and, and they really do epitomize this this toxic uh uh this toxic validation and hashtag activism and fake humanitarianism and they're injecting themselves into the public conversation and uh, i think if, if it definitely it, it speaks it's it's an indicator of some other dynamics that are going on that are relevant to you know you see it even politics is a is tabloid stuff at this point it's a wrestling match it's a royal rumble so um yeah for better for us i think this is a, an interesting canvas on which to analyze a lot of issues that you know cross over into some other realms that's genius. And I will say that I that this is a change of heart. I did initially really like Harry and Meghan. Um, I started Roy, my royal commentary career specifically yeah, because I was inspired. Interesting, because your most recent your most recent piece was I was wrong. Was it uh, uh, I was wrong about Prince Harry. So interesting. Let's yeah. tell us your trajectory here. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I thought how exciting to have a biracial woman into the royal family. Uh, it was also exciting that Prince Harry had finally found his someone. Um, and I did think that they were going to go off into the world and do great things. Uh, drama within the family. I, I don't know. I just assumed that maybe they they were. Uh, very progressive. I, I thought maybe they were too progressive. I and that, but I thought that they would do th not great things once they left the family. I thought that they would use the platform that they'd been given uh, to work with homeless vets, 
to to work with children that had lost their parents. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I thought that they would. The, Megan's from L.A., the homeless situation here is horrific. So I just assumed that they would be doing things like that. And instead, it's been three years of these people literally complaining about 18 months of their lives. Yeah, no, it's simply it, you think that it's humanitarianism, selflessness and generosity because that's what it is on the facade. But it's really weaponizing victimhood for clout. Oh, 100 percent. And, yeah. you know, if you look at. The, the entire racism thing. I don't know how much you've paid attention to the, yes. the, the interviews. So, let's, over the, okay. so <laughs> let's tee that up. Let's tee that okay. up. Okay. Because um, I watched the Netflix special um, and the first episode and maybe a half episode and a quarter, it's perfectly fine. They're, I think they're very much in love. It's good for them. Admirable. It's the Netflix knows what they're doing. They're portraying a nice love story. They show her upbringing. Her mom seems awesome. Um, great couple right and then straight you can uh, it's literally the moment it gets into the racism where it's it pivots to okay we're pathological victims here's here's where we got oppressed and here are the claims of racism and they're super super flimsy and it's uh, this thing where they're just they're identifying that racism floats out there in the ether and then just describing all criticism or discomfort that they have experienced as a result of racism and that never never connect the dots. They never actually prove that it's the case. And then when recently when put to task to explain that and say, well, wait a second, you believe that some of this criticism was racially motivated other than, you know, um, uh, uh, Alistair four, five, three, two, David Beckham on Twitter saying some stupid shit, which I'm sorry, I'm just you're not getting sympathy from me that a bunch of like irrelevant Twitter trolls with 15 followers say mean things about you like live with that. I mean, when they're put to task to actually prove that things, a lot of this criticism was racially motivated, they can't do it. No, um, it's and then Harry actually denied this week that they it said that wild. the royal family was racist. Wild. I mean, if yeah. you watch the Oprah Winfrey interview, Megan specifically says that their child was not given security their child was put in jeopardy and that their they weren't their child wasn't given the proper title because it was going to be partially black. That's not only a blatant lie that not only is not protocol what she's talking about, um, but now they're denying that they even said that not only don't, don't forget, they recently accepted award for the, the ripple of hope Robert Kennedy Foundation for uh, fighting racism within the royal family. So, I mean, you and, and then Hello? once again, yeah, the headline Harry and Meghan fight racism. Then the column that's supposed to lay out facts supportive of the headline asserting that they've done this. There's no facts. There's nothing there. They didn't do anything. All they did was Clint just lament that there's racism out there and then kind of fabricate or uh, kind of impute racist motives to thing to petty gr grievances that were one petty in the first place and two not even true. Right. And that's so indicative. You were asking why a person uh, such as myself who may top, you know, tackle weightier issues, although, you know, I think everything's fair game is interesting because this is this. Is, there's a consistent thread here through so many stories that, you know, have, have hit the public, hit the public eye that I've discussed. It even goes back to one I talked about about a year ago and it was looking back because Jesse, uh, Jesse Smollett had popped back into the news. And it's because we live in the era of victim, you know, currency and, and dollar amounts get inflated. And so does victimhood currency. And what we've done over the over, you know, the first like the first couple waves of social media because of hashtag activism and because everybody's got a public persona is inflated the currency and the value of the currency you get from being a victim is that instead of an honor culture where like, you know, what 
you're supposed to do as a royal, whether or not all of them live up to uh, live up to that objective, right, uh, is you're supposed to be brave and courageous and honorable and not complain about things, have that stiff upper lip, bite it and and don't bitch, right? right. Life um, of and, service, life of service. Yeah, and, and uh, yes. And so, but now in this era and the generation that Megan and Harry are part of uh, is it, it, the, the ships of Rose with victimhood inflation right and you get more currency for being a victim and that's what drove a person like jesse smollett to take the risk that he did and come up with this ridiculous scenario and essentially ruin his life and you see people do it all the time and really that in in, in it, what at first glance looks like humanitarianism is really just this grasp for for inflated victimhood currency agreed and they i think what frustrates me about this is that they all find each other naturally. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Jesse Smollett, but in that Netflix documentary, they go into the online uh, harassment. They cite a man named Christopher Boozy with Bot Sentinel, who also worked with Amber Heard on her trial against Johnny Depp. All mm. of his information is bullshit. He pulls it yeah. out of his butt. It's none yeah. of it is none of it is true. But how are they all finding each other and working together and, and like helping each other to to bullshit the world. I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's I'm telling this is one of the things that that I noticed five, six, seven years ago that kind of spurred me to start analyzing these issues is there's an apparatus in place. There's an apparatus in place to now let's call it mine that inflated victimhood currency or that inflated victimhood gold. Right. Um, you've got organizations that will purport to put out studies that have some sort of scientific gravity or value to them, but they're really bullshit. And then you look at them and it's really just people, like I said before, Alistair four, five, six, seven Beckham uh, on Twitter said, screw you, C word, Meghan Markle. That's very sad. I'd prefer if people didn't do that. But I'm sorry, this is not something you can aggregate. You can go find some data point that there's 7,000 of those comments. And you, when you put it in a study or an article, you go, oh, my God, this woman's being attacked. No, it's just a bunch of termites on Twitter. And when you say, well, oh, you don't know what it's like. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I've been dragged on Twitter more than a couple of yeah. times by people with some pretty big followings. And, you know, it's uh, what was it? Was it Tyler, the creator? I'm not sure if it was Tyler, the creator or somebody else, but a rapper just said cyberbullying. Ha ha. Biggest joke I've ever heard. Just walk away from the computer dude <laughs> that's it but but matthew it's not just that it's the fact that then netflix puts that to their Correct. how many millions of viewers without fact checking it you're yeah. giving these people credibility why did you why it's not just the bull, the online bullying allegations it's the racism allegations nobody's challenging this and i've studied yes. this for several years now there were two headlines that i found that would where i would straight out of compton that's gross i mean it was unnecessary it was gross it wasn't funny you know and then uh, i can't remember the other headline i found two stories that i would say yeah that's racist and uh, that sucks mm -hmm. and that shouldn't have happened fire those people you know they should learn a lesson i don't whatever but the that's all i could find i mean this idea that the the kate and megan competition the avocado story i mean get over yourself grow yeah. up who cares because yeah. uh, here's the thing these incidents you could say oh they fall in the bad column Oh, Kate whined about the daughter's wedding dress being too big. All right, Kate was being a little petty. 
these the gra- these are barely not even misdemeanors. They're not even misdemeanors. They're things that you get a jaywalking. These are like jaywalking infractions. Okay, and these people, what they're doing is trying to pretend that these are first class felonies, and they were so oppressed and so abused, and then they're going ahead and because they know that platforms like Netflix are just looking for numbers, and that 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 this is the type of stuff that would get it. They're just selling. They're just selling this vi- bullshit victimhood for money for cheap tabloid dollars. Well, I'm curious. I saw you post on Instagram asking if anybody supported them. Did you find anybody? <laughs> Did you find a single human? Interest. Okay. So nobody really supported them and said, I think they're great. What they kept on, I'd be, this is interesting for us to, us to discuss. What they did com- keep coming back to is that I don't think they're great. I think they're kind of stupid, but the royal family sucks so much. And so I don't really blame them. And then I would continue to, I would say, well, okay, but what about the specifics, right? I, even if I could give you that the royal family does suck, even though like, I don't know, William seems like not a bad guy. His mom, he, he, you want to talk about trauma from the mother's death? Like it was William's mother too. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. didn't, you know, and it kept on coming back to that. I say, well, tell me about the specifics. What do you think? Even things that they are claiming, if you assume them to be true, were so bad that they justify throwing your entire family under the bus and lamenting about, you know, what was me about all this victimhood? And nobody could really give me any specifics. They just keep on going back to the royal family is useless. And, you know, they treated princess Diana like shit and she died. And I can understand why he wanted to be protective of his wife and the media sucks. And, you know, even going through the documentary, uh, Sure, I could give I could give them on the other side of this argument a little bit of that as well. The media does suck. Once again, there's any variety of constructive ways, even if you want to be combative. I didn't say, oh, uh, Harry just has to sit there and fucking take it. He could punch back. Right. Even within his family or within the against the media in a somewhat constructive and admirable way. And it's like he's choosing they're choosing the least admirable way with just dumping and vomiting out these petty grievances, some of which some of which one have no basis or two probably happened. But even if they did happen are just not particularly there's no gravity to them. Um, So that's what I saw. Uh, A lot of people who were defending them simply don't like the royal family and Certainly, I think, you know, there, there are valid arguments there. I don't know what, and you know, obviously the royal family is very a topic of interest to you. Um, their usefulness in modern society, their morality, you know, are they a useful institution or are they a corrupt institution? I don't know. What, what do you, what's your take and what's your view? Well, I think I love the royal family because I love history. I like it's the nerdy side of me. That's sure. what's pursued. That's what made me pursue this as a as a career. And Americans do have a completely, I'd say, I, incorrect idea of Diana's death. And and I love Diana. I've branded my entire everything about around yeah, yeah, Diana because I love Diana. Yeah, <laughs> to die for daily. Is, yeah. Yes. Um, so I branded everything around Diana, but Diana died in a car accident with a, a drug user that she was chasing. Dodie Fayed was engaged yeah. to another woman. You so know? Let's back up for people. I think a lot of people who are listening, particularly some of our younger listeners, they don't know about Dodie, Dodie Al-Fayed and her relationship with Dodie Al-Fayed. Um, and I'll let Kinsey expand on this in a moment. But the gentleman that Diana was dating uh, when she died, who died with her, um, was the son of a, I believe, Egyptian or Saudi Arabian. 
Oh, I don't even. I I wouldn't okay, even either. know. Mohammed Al Fayed uh, was a a obscenely wealthy uh, Egyptian or Saudi Arabian industrialist. I think Egyptian. His son Dodi Al Fayed was the epitome of the play, uh, uh, Middle Eastern playboy um, who ran around, you know, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, dating women on yachts and involved in the movie industry, and was you know whatever, not a dangerous guy, but a somewhat unsavory guy. And uh, Princess Diana took up with this and. Princess Diana took up with this guy and that's who she was with at the end of her life. Yeah, I'd love to if you could expand on, you know, what the the tropes and narratives that we get wrong in America are about Princess Diana's death. Well, just really quickly. Yes, you were correct. He, he was an Egyptian born businessman, Mohammed Al-Fayed. He owned Harrods, which is the ultimate you know, store yep. in London. And he actually bought up a ton of real estate. And um, and he it was his goal to be accepted by society mm-hmm. there. And to do that, he he became this, you know, global uh powerhouse bought up Herod's bought up all of this land he, he it was he was just desperate to be recognized mm-hmm. and he befriended Diana through her stepmother um, rain Spencer who worked with Herod's uh, Diana needed a vacation home one summer she needed a vacation spot because she lost Charles and she lost all the many homes that they had and he invited her on a yacht that he didn't even own yet he went and mm-hmm. purchased this boat to impress her he yeah. he invites his son along He's engaged to a model. Yeah, he he and, was engaged to another woman when he, he and Diana started dating. Yes. Yeah. And and she was on another boat while he would go over to Diana's boat. She was just sitting around waiting for him. I don't know if you remember this, but like Gloria Allred, there was a big press conference where she's sobbing, saying Dodie broke up with me for, for Diana. This is like a few weeks before Diana mm-hmm. dies. Not Gloria um, Allred. But, not that she he broke up with Gloria Allred, but she was uh, Allred was representing right. the woman that. Yeah, she uh, yes. he broke up with. And so um, it was a scandal at the time. And I think that Americans, we we don't realize that Diana was not very popular at the time of her death. That last breath is what flipped the switch and made her this martyr character and made yeah. her this myth that she's become. But, at the, you know, she was chasing... She was chasing Dodie to make uh, Dr. Khan jealous, her, her boyfriend <sighs> that had recently broken up with her, Dr. Hasnick Khan... She made very terrible decisions, Matthew, is what I'm trying to say. She didn't think about consequences, and you're seeing Harry follow in those footsteps yeah. and, and not learn from her mistakes. And we'll have more of the prevailing narrative after the break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Princess Diana, from what I know about her, did a lot of admirable things and a lot of the abuse and oppression that she could claim probably had some validity to it. And the press yes. was always active. That's a, it's a tough life. You're being suffocated. Um, however, she opted once she opted into it. OK, she did opt into it, but I can sympathize with her on a number of levels. Even you see from that documentary, um, I think some of her humanitarian leanings were actually sincere and she was trying to protect her children. However, yeah, it, it didn't end very well for her, not just with the death. I mean, she started to do some very strange things and take up with some unsavory characters towards the end um, in terms of the fact checking here, because I think that's what a lot of listeners 
you know, have not been able, they, they see that they read the book, they see the 60 minutes interview and they filter everything through their biases. If you're the type of person who thinks that Harry should really, you know, stick with the, the stiff upper lip and just, you know, accept his birthright, then you probably don't like how he's acting. And if you think, you know, hey, Megan, while kind of annoying, really is a sweet woman and who's just in love. And he was just Prince Harry was just trying to protect her. You probably are more defensive about it. But since the Netflix documentary does, in fact, check it, let's fact check some other stuff because you have um, the claims. Another, you know, another uh, another character in the royal family drama over the last 30 years who could claim to be oppressed by the media, uh, Prince. Uh, uh, and so King Charles's former mistress and now wife, Camilla Parker Bowles, the claims by Meghan and by Harry are that Camilla, who had been pretty quiet for about 20 years after all the controversy uh, around the, the, the cheating and, you know, uh, King Charles essentially swapping out Diana for her. Um, she'd been pretty quiet. And the claims by Harry and Meghan are that Camilla leaked a bunch of stories. All, most of the negative stories about Meghan were leaked by Camilla for her to gather currency or, or favor with the press. Um, and that he can't prove it, but he knows that she's the only one that was privy to these conversations. So it, thus it must be her. Um, have you done any fact checking or any uh, diligence on that? Okay, this is like where I I love the history of this because this is how incestuous and crazy um, Camilla's role is in this entire thing. Let's get into it. Camilla's great grandmother was Charles's great great grandfather's mistress, Alice Keppel. Is that not gross? Yeah, it's crazy. On his deathbed, Charles's great great grandfather had his wife and his mistress, Camilla's great grandmother, in the room with him, and the fortune Camilla grew up on was was gifted to her family by um, King Charles's. His grandfather, great great grandfather, a tangled and web we weave. I know. Um, what I do know is in the 90s, Camilla did work with press to leak stories about Diana. Um, mm. and I think that that was just uh, that was just that that love trial triangle energy, right? I just think that yeah. it was just like, oh, I'm not gonna, I know Diana's leaking story, so I'm gonna do the same thing too. Yeah. But when it comes to Harry and Meghan, I, um, in, in Harry's teens, it was Charles's team, a man named Mark um, Boland, who was working mm-hmm. the PR side of Charles's um, Charles's set of, of, of communications. And it was really him that was all about changing Camilla's brand and, mm-hmm. and revitalizing her brand. It wasn't Camilla leaking stories to swap for Harry as a teenager. It was Charles's team. So, so Camilla's operating history is not as of a clout chaser. Like the evidence is not there to suggest she's a clout chaser. She was totally content being the mistress, like her great great grandmother, her her great grandmother. She was content being the mistress. Um, So I really don't think that she ever aspired to be the queen consort. I think that she lucked out to Mm -hmm. be the queen consort, but I don't think that that's something she ever aspired to do. And I really think it was mostly Charles's team that realized that she needed to revitalize her brand and and change things up if she was ever going to be accepted. And Harry gave them plenty of content. Let's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy wore a Nazi costume. This guy used racial slurs towards his friends in the army. And once again, for anyone who's not drugs. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who might not, you know, be of age to have remembered it, that uh, in, in the 2000s, when Harry was in his late teens and 20s, he was the wild child. Right. And he he embraced the role that he's now complaining about that 
uh, oh, I'm I'm not the firstborn. I don't get. I'm not the king. I'm just the spare. In his teens and twenties, he was happy to take advantage of that because he could get away with things that William couldn't. He was out there dating models. I remember I studied abroad in London, and the party kids, you know, the, the best party kids. I was. He was in college right when I was, and the fucking most aggressive party kids. They were trying to uh, get proximity to Prince Harry, okay, because they knew that he was tearing up London at the time. God bless. But there yeah. seems to be a pattern with him when he wants the benefits. Right. He wants the benefits. It's like, yeah, sure. He got he got nailed in the press. But I mean, he had he had more fun while his brother had to be the conservative, consistent, you know, more buttoned up one um, and then wants to complain about it and that how nobody pays any attention to him. And he's kind of secondary. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of people may not may not be aware of that. Oh, my gosh. Just do you remember the pictures of him just falling out of bars? Yeah. I mean, it was iconic. He was the royal rebel. And it was he did. He totally owned that role. He was having a blast. He talks in his book about how he loses his virginity behind a pub. I mean, you're living the dream. Yeah. No. And once again, fine if you do it. We're not criticizing him for doing it. The criticism comes in that he wants to do it and that he wants the benefits of being able to do that and then not the responsibilities to take the downside of like, hey, yeah, I have to accept that I'm the prince and not, I'm going to be the prince and not the king. Right. Exactly. Um, he used the word accountability when in his ITV interview. So many times I lost count. And that was really <laughs> something that I struggled with because I was like. You are not taking any accountability. I mean, even just own the Nazi uniform for him. Just He tried to throw his brother under the bus on the Nazi thing. That was insane. Can you imagine it? Just just say uh, I should not have done that. That was a terrible decision. But in the book, yeah. he says that he called William and Kate and they laughed so hard at the idea that he decided to go with it. It's like, grow up. Who cares? Yeah, You're yeah, the- it, even if that's true, the only reason you mention it is to try to dirty them by your association with one of your bad acts. And there is exactly. nothing manly. There is nothing honorable about that. Exactly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, And so that's just kind of been like a reoccurring theme with him demanding accountability while not while not taking any accountability for his own actions. And again, I do. I love I loved his mother. She did an interview with Martin Bashir, which we found out recently. Mm -hmm. All of that was Martin Bashir lied to her, presented her with forged documents so she'd think that Holy her security shit. guards were spying on her. She thought that William had a mic in his watch. This 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 guy, um, this he worked for the BBC and he lied to her to get her to to do this sit down interview. And uh, and 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 William asked that they never show that interview again. And you actually mm. see it throughout the Netflix series, Harry's Netflix series. If that gives you any idea of what a prick yeah. Harry is. But um, in that in that interview, despite being paranoid because of the interviewer and despite, you know, being so stressed, she takes accountability. She says, yeah. yes, I, I did have an affair with James Hewitt and I loved him very much. And I wish I'd see more of that in Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then there it, there seems to be this push and pull. And it goes back to what you asked me about. Did anyone come to defend them? And they said some with just saying, hey, he wasn't born into it. And the royal family sucks. Uh, yeah, it's not a cop out. I, I'm not giving you that. Uh, you know, what a uh, it, privileged so, life he leads. Yeah, and like uh, kids who were born into lower income neighborhoods with parents that you know were giving the feeding them cans of tuna every night and got new clothes once every two years, they were born into that too. They didn't ask for that either. Okay, right. so 
when you are a state's person or you are a representative of a nation, whether you're born into it or otherwise, you got to take a little responsibility for it. OK, you know, once again, I could see I could see a couple lanes or a couple threads through which Harry could have, you know, either taken a step back from the royal family and his responsibilities, punch back in the press a little bit. But you don't get to just play victim. You don't get to play like you were the abused child from the lower income, you know, whose parent was a construction worker. OK, that, that's not how it works. And I mean, can, can you tell us a little bit about how the finances work? Because from what I've gathered, once again, he is fine to even beyond the money he's getting paid for this media blitz where he's essentially getting paid to dump on his family. Um, was the, it, it, he and Megan, their financial wherewithal, their houses, was that the result? Did they get money from his reign uh, with the royal family from his, his tenure? While he was a working royal, he did get what you know what we would consider an allowance from his father, and that was cut off shortly after they moved to the United States. But the father did help them a significant amount mm-hmm. to get into their home once they were they were gone. Uh, you know, he was left millions of dollars after the death of his mother, and he was actually. Right. He got millions. Yes. He got millions, and, right? Yeah. And after the death of his great grandmother, the queen mother, he actually received more of an inheritance than William because the queen mother felt like William would be taken care of as the heir. Mm-hmm. So she gave him a significant amount uh. more. Um, she gave that to Harry so that he would be taken care of as the spare. Uh, so he has he had that money and, you know, he works for better up. They have a deal with Spotify. They have a deal with Netflix. They have at least a four book deal with their book publisher. So mm-hmm. they are they are very well off. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing. Same thing. You can't take the benefit and then shit all over it. Okay. If you want the benefits, you have to accept some of the responsibilities. Had this dude said, you know something, I don't want to deal with the media. You're all pricks. My family's not supportive enough of me. I don't want this. Peace out. And he went, he could have used it. Go and get, you got into Brown or Harvard or God knows what. Go and freaking study for four years or get an MBA and go fucking eat it for your entry level $175,000 salary at Goldman Sachs because that's a job most people don't get, but you could have got it and work your way up into financial financial capabilities and independence and Megan go back and go go uh, on pilot season for TV season again you got they go do that I'm very I'm far less critical of them but they want all the benefits and none of the burdens it's really incredible but what if he had left the royal family came over to the United States continued to continue to um, network continue to build those relationships that he established as a royal working mm. with Barack Obama working with you know I mean he's worked with how many world leaders and I, I'm spacing on the Prime Minister of Canada who is friends with Justin Meghan Trudeau who's yes, you know, Justin yeah, yeah you know he about has as he, bad and toxic human being as humanly possible I'm exactly so travesty this man is head of state but anyways exactly but harry had him on speed dial imagine if he would have nurtured those relationships come over to the united states he could have been paid millions of dollars to stuffy suits to talk to a room full of whatevers Mm -hmm. you know but but to come over and completely shit on your family you've taken you you're not a thought leader you just sound like a whiner you're you he had so much opportunity because he had the contacts and he had the name recognition. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's even the causes they choose are ones that they're, you know, you could say, well, hey, who's ever qualified to take up a cause, right? If you're a good person and you're, you know, not brain dead, you can go support a cause. However, there's some causes that you should not take up. You should not take a leadership role on a cause unless you have some credibility. He decided to go uh, take a role on panels about misinformation. Excuse me. I'm sorry. No, you have no role here. You have no place. You have no business being here whatsoever. I mean, if you're not you're you're not an accurate or prolific source of information yourself and you have no position here. You are. This is just you trading off your background and your family name. And you want to go feed feed the homeless. You want to go feed uh, starving children in Africa. Okay, And they've done a little of that. But I think it was mostly for the mostly for the photo ops. Um, So, yeah, it's like it's God. If if there was just a way I could even give people. I could give people that him turning away from the royal family could have been justified. It literally he's chosen the worst way to do it possible. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, object of his ire. Um, I don't know that much about his dad. We'll get to his dad in a minute or two. His brother, um, man, I mean, he tries to paint his brother as a as a volatile, you know, instigator of a lot of hostilities from what you've seen uh, are, is there cre- any credence to those claims? Um, or was it more so William trying to that essentially that William wanted to uh, stay, you know, stay on track with the responsibilities of the monarchy and of the Royal family and ascend to King and didn't want, and, you know, did not necessarily support or approve of his brother being such a dissident. Is that really all it was? Well, yeah, let me just give you a quick example of one of the stories that's included in the book. Um, Harry says that William went to his home at Frogmore Cottage and said, uh, I there are several reports that Megan is bullying staff. She's rude. You know, mm-hmm. we need to deal with this. We need to discuss this. Harry rejects the claim. There's apparently a physical confrontation where William shoves him and breaks his necklace. Who the hell admits that they're wearing a necklace that's broken in yeah. a fight? And then he falls into the dog bowl and it scratches his back. Um, So this is that that's an example that he gives in the book. But I'm telling you, Matthew, if my brother pulls up and and is yelling at me and is fiery and passionate about something, don't you think he believes the claims? Don't you think that William legitimately believes that Megan is being an asshole if he's willing to if it's willing to get to that level? Yeah. Or also, if if he was just out to get Megan and fabricate this, why wait till then? Yeah, right? why not just leak it it's to like, the press? Why that's wouldn't just, you that's just a strange that? thing. Yeah, he's clearly trying to handle family business within the family, right? And from what we've gathered, you know, she, she I hate to say it, I don't want to paint all actresses with this brush, but um and me knowing her and her reputation, I didn't know her very well, but I know, you know her ex-husband, and I know some people involved with her back when she lived in LA, you know, yeah, she's very self-involved person. Actresses for the most part, and not all, but many are, they really do to a pathological extent elevate their own interests. And when the when the spotlight is not on them or when they are faced with inconveniences, they don't always respond so well and so healthfully. So I don't wanna, you know, I wasn't there. However, if you if you are if if someone put a gun to your head, it does seem like the the evidence would slant in favor of, you know, Harry having William having uh, uh, identifying a valid issue that he needed to bring up with his brother and his brother just his brother just stewing in the cesspool of victimhood and lashing out. And that started the hostilities. Um, I mean, it, it, you've obviously scoured this book and, you know, you've tried to fact check it the best you can. Are there any of his claims, any of Harry's claims or Megan's claims that do that are significant that do check out? 
Well, I just want to quickly say in regards to what we're just talking about with William, I I think that I would like your audience to know that the idea of Megan being a bully, those everything, um, how it got to William, it was all very human human resources approved. It was somebody that told somebody that worked like three levels below William that then emailed somebody that worked three levels below him. And the way it got to him was very official. So it wasn't gossip. It wasn't whispers. Mm -hmm. And it was multiple people quitting and leaving. And, and you know, people dream of working for the royal family. Mm -hmm. So to have turnover that bad, they were they were looking at each other going, something is significant. Something is wrong. Um, You know, I, the the from what I've seen so far, there are some errors in the book that are just ridiculous. Like a, a fact checker is losing their job mm-hmm. to for Harry to go into detail about learning that the Queen Mother is dead and him picking up the phone at Eton and seeing the sunlight through the window when he was in Switzerland skiing with his father at the time of the Queen Mother dying. I mean, like that that's that's absolutely ludicrous. He also talks about you know he's in his, with he's very. The victimhood thing. I'm sorry he lost his mom, but boy, is he milking it. Talking about her last yeah. gift, how she bought him an Xbox, which I don't think was made until 2001. You received a PlayStation, you mm-hmm. know, so it's things like that saying you received an Xbox from your mother as as your now, as her last gift. It's even it's even the title of the book. Spare. Oh, my God. The title of the book is literally him. Every the, everything, every vector, the vector for everything he's trying to do and portray himself as and do here is through victimhood is. Mm-hmm. Oh, woe is me. And I'm sorry, man. You had a couple rough things happen to you. I'm by, no sorry, man the hell up. I and mean, this is not honorable, honorable in any way, shape or form. And I mean, I don't know if I, we are to put going back to William, if we were to put William's behavior under a microscope, I mean. From what I see, he seems maybe a little milk toast, but he's accepted his position and his responsibility. It seems he's almost like a quarterback that's only uh, an American football reference for all you Brits out there. An American football quarterback who's just handing handing the ball off. Not yeah. he's not rocking the boat, right? right. I mean. Does he have a bad reputation anywhere? Um, do you think that he has? Uh, and this is what one one person who was somewhat defensive of, of Harry and Meghan said that, you know, oh, of course, the, the press is going to treat William and his wife better. They they play the game. They play by the rules. And I'm like, OK, maybe you could look at it that way, but maybe he just is choosing to have a healthier relation, a healthier approach to it that he has a responsibility to carry himself a certain way in his position. And he knows that it's toxic to engage in all these hostilities and is just deciding that he's above it all. And like, isn't that a good thing? And we'll have more of the prevailing narrative after the break. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. There is a a rule that we're going to give you some content. We're going to give you photo ops. We're going to give you access to us. And in Mm -hmm. turn, you're going to leave us alone when we're home. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are videos you can search for online of photographers sneaking onto his property and him ripping them a new one. So he doesn't rock the boat. He still gets screwed over, you Mm -hmm. know, um, but he does try to play by the rules that are set because for the most part, everybody does 
you know, stay within the lines. Mm -hmm. Um, But he he's definitely gets screwed over. I mean, there's plenty of video of him ripping into people that that break the rules. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that I think that that's it's it's like it is in Hollywood. I I'm going to do this movie and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do the interviews to promote this movie. And then you guys are going to leave me alone. That's the agreement. It's not to me. It's not very foreign. Yeah. Basketball players, athletes, they have to go. You will get fined if you don't show up at the postgame press conference. Sucks. You could say, well, oh, somebody just had a tough game. Someone just got injured. Someone's parent died. You know, maybe they make exceptions for that. But if they don't, sorry, that is a small you could you could identify that as an oppressive measure. But that's a small price to pay for the position that they're in. And you see this over and over and over again. Um, anything but wait, if- but wait, really quickly, though, sure. how interesting that you're right. You're exactly right. And how interesting that Harry and Meghan so desperately need the press and they won't shut up about them it's you know they won't i mean he'll he'll go sit down with uh cbs he'll go sit down with um itv he complains about the media the entire time and it's like do you not realize that you are on television right now talking to a reporter it, it is the the contrast and the hypocrisy of them claiming they just want to be left alone yet being the most aggressive clout chasers known to man and doing and having the biggest media blitz uh, in recent modern history is just such hypocrisy see I, I anyone who doesn't see that i find it very strange right um and that is yeah and going back to to kind of the thesis of your uh, why you've changed your views on them is that they could have done they could have exited gracefully they could have exited gracefully taken their money been in montecito um and done you know gotten involved in a number of humanitarian causes some of whom you know some of which they might have been qualified for and some of them might have been a little bit eye rolling but whatever instead they've been media whores and it's all under the guise of Uh, It's all under the guise of we wanted to tell our story and if the story had really been Tragic and really been harmful and really been bad and then you see them like oh wow They they really had it rough, right? They they got chased in some tabloid freak show, you know uh, uh, Knocked over, you know Megan and uh, Megan and the baby in the carriage and oh the Queen, you know, the, our third aunt, uh, Uncle George from the countryside came in and really said some racist shit to Megan, and this all checked out. I'd be like, mm, okay, maybe they needed yeah. to, but it's not right. That's not what happened. It's all petty bullshit. Right. It's we didn't get our way at this, and we had a mental breakdown, and we said, screw it, we're out. Um, but you're, but you're right that it does. You know, there was so much potential and it's okay if Harry wanted to complain about this like two or three years on. But when they started all of this, it was you're from L.A. I mean, we were sitting in our homes, afraid to leave our homes without masks. We were we could be we could be ticketed if we left our homes without masks. And Megan was on Oprah Winfrey sitting in this beautiful backyard complaining about titles and tiaras. And we're like, we literally can't leave our homes right now. You know, some of us couldn't work unless we had the poke and they're Mm -hmm. making millions of dollars for this sit down interview. And so it's been so hard to relate to them throughout this entire process. And I wonder, do they not look at each other and go inflation, recession on the horizon, strikes, immigration? Yeah, our problems are so small. Maybe we should shut up. No, it is this pathological victimhood that is so evident. They are such a perfect avatar for the current, you know, the the current generation of millennial clout chasers. It's kind of shocking even. Um, So uh, the woman who inspired you to get involved and follow the royal family in the first place that you've named your podcast after Princess Diana. Um, Let's do a little retrospective on her. We have discussed how her ending and her death, you know, may was under some darker and more unsavory circumstances than is portrayed at least these days. 
Um, but you know, if we were to analyze her as the tragic fairy princess who embodied had a glow and embodied so many of the the great qualities that we want in a queen and was a, a sincere humanitarian but was just stifled and tortured and hounded by the press um to what extent is that narrative support sorry to what extent is that narrative true or false i mean i think that for the most part it's true i how do you not sympathize with a 19 year old girl that marries a 30 year old thinking that she's marrying for love and that this mm -hmm. is her dream come true when in and, and then to stumble upon pictures of camilla on their honeymoon gross yeah, i mean like far less attractive than she is always the strange part anyways 100 percent. yeah maybe charles charles just could relate to her but charles was a gawky dude charles was an uncomfortable gawky guy i mean it was weird because prince philip his father was a striking handsome virile like he was a stud right right and charles was a little gawky little awkward and i guess he just he he felt more comfortable with the camilla than with the diana Right. And so I, I've always really sympathized with her there. But I think the major difference between Diana, Harry and Meghan is that Diana looked to help people because that filled a void inside of her. Mm -hmm. And she she was so authentic and she was sincere. She would go spend hours at the hospital with people as they died that were alone. And yeah. we never heard about that stuff until after yeah. she was gone. Megan packs 30 lunches for Ukrainians and it's all over the Daily Mail. Yeah, Megan picks up and goes and builds a uh, a playground where the uh, where the children died in Texas, gets on a private jet, goes visit and visits with a camera crew uh, where the children were massacred in Texas. I mean, it just there's Diana was so subtle with her love and she was so subtle in all of in everything she did. And the objective was so much bigger than the headline. Mm -hmm. She really wanted people to know that AIDS, you couldn't catch AIDS by a hand touch. Yeah. I mean, that how, how powerful is that? Mm -hmm. um, Megan is like, well, how can I get a positive headline out of today? Let's jump on a private jet, yeah. head to Texas where the babies were murdered and make sure you get my good side. Yeah, no, it's so evident of the gen of the hashtag activist generation because activism, because good deeds have been translated and filtered and laundered through social media and through your personal profile. And then it's supposed to be you can you can gain personal status from portraying yourself as an activist has just poisoned activism overall for the most part. It's it's tainted it in so many different ways. And, and I think it's just it's almost eerie how much Megan is a creature of her times and how much Diana was a creature of her of her era um, when, you know, you could a, a lot of people because the media could hound you, but they still could only you know, there's only so many TV shows and only so many magazines released newspaper only went out once a day, right? So you weren't constantly under that glare. So you were able to get away from it. You're able to kind of, you know, uh, you're able to operate under the cover of darkness a little bit. And now, you know, you got the Megans of the world who just lean into it. And it's just it's part of their personal brand, quote unquote, and not to poo poo personal brands. I'm not going to, you know, we're sitting here two people who are content creators and we, you know, we could be accused of having personal brands. Everyone's got one. But it's the unique the unique manner in which she seems to craft hers around this kind of, as I believe, this facade of humanitarianism. Not to repeat myself, because I've already said that before. But anyways, um, well, I, I just you're with Megan. You know, I I want to be delicate in how I say this, but it felt like when they originally left the royal family, it was privacy. We're not, you know, it was we would like our privacy. We're going to step down as senior members of the royal family. We want mm. to do our thing. We want to live a life of service. No mention of racism. And I did feel like 
Megan took advantage of the political hostility that was happening yep. during the George Floyd riots. Yep. Well, it, it almost felt like they saw that as an opportunity and all of a sudden race became the narrative and it was not before. And it really it it really divided I think that they work our countries against each other in a way. Oh, oh here's a, here's a perfect one. And a friend of mine, uh, a British friend of mine mentioned this. Um, he said that uh, in America, because racism is a more, you know, a, a more hot button, hot, hot button issue and more activism around race issues in America. 60 Minutes, Anderson Cooper, May, uh, Harry. Yeah. The royal family. We uh, we experienced so much racism from my family, from the press, et cetera, et cetera. Goes and gets interviewed by uh, a British reporter, it might have been ITV. What are you talking yeah. about? I never called my family racist. Oh, it was right. unconscious, unconscious bias, right? And it's like they're perfectly crafting it just to take advantage of activist, na- activist narratives. And that's where, you know, that was the first place where I got suspicious of them. And it's, it's where the documentary goes wrong. It's like, ooh, Brexit. Oh, because you've got, they show, look at these knuckle-dragging working-class stiffs from Manchester who think that we should leave the EU because they're scared of immigrants. And that's somehow supposed to be uh, an indicator of oppression and abuse to Meghan Markle, who's like, a, you know, uh, uh, a half black woman from Los Angeles who was on TV. Like, sorry, no, that's that's yeah. bullshit. No, Megan, you took ballet. You know, you you ate at like the finest delis in Beverly yeah. Hills. <laughs> you, yeah. This is you I dated a bunch relate. of guys that I know, and you ran in the same circles, which were the, the social elite circles through all of the 2000s and the early 2010s. Like, sorry, you know, you had a bet. There are a few people who had it better, but you had it better than most. Yeah, they say that in the documentary, but there were about 10 years where Thomas Markle was the primary caregiver of Got Megan, and, and, and she lived with Thomas. Um, Tom, Tom Bauer, who wrote the book Revenge, talks about how Doria told him that she needed to, she Megan needed to live with Tom, um, uh, her husband, ex-husband Thomas, because she was starting a traveling jewelry line. So she needed yeah. to go across the country selling Some, jewelry. Someone mentioned this. Someone mentioned this, actually. Fraser Ross of Kitson, thank you for uh, posing this question or this issue. Um, he uh, Apparently, she abandoned her father? Yes. I mean, Megan, yes. Yeah. Yes. She's yeah. absolutely, yes. I mean, um, I, I understand where the issues happened. A paparazzi contacted him and said your brand is horrible over here there's pictures of you buying beer you look overweight let's arrange some photographs again this is hollywood this is you Mm -hmm. and i can hear this and it doesn't sound weird um but uh, thomas markle agreed to take some photos with him where he was reading a book about london looking at pictures of megan's engagement photos online getting fitted for a suit and and of course that that paparazzi was paid you know tons of money for those images the palace was contacted by some tabloids in the UK that said, the, we've heard that these are set up. Megan called her dad, asked if they were that was true. He lied, said, no, no, I wouldn't do such a thing. And that's kind of where all hell broke loose and their, they, their relationship dissolves. But mm. he's been in the hospital several times since. He paid for her life. He paid for her to go to college. I mean, yeah. she, he should have forgiven him, but he also made a huge mistake. Seems like they got quite a litany of broken relationships, a a graveyard of uh, grievances and hostility and dysfunction. And at some point, you got to think, hold on, wait a second, maybe it's me. But it would not be right now. They are getting uh, what a lot of people, someone called uh, toxic validation, because as many people seem to be coming out against them, if you, you know, if, if there's a million people commenting 
on what you're doing and 800,000 of them are haters, you'll still lean on the 200,000 that are supportive of you and will look for that. You know, your confirmation bias will crowd out that criticism to a certain extent. And for the money that they're getting paid and enough people who are giving them that toxic validation, I don't think the, uh, the self-awareness is going to come to them right now, maybe a little bit down the road. But the royal family... Ain't going to stop being interested. Anyone says, oh, I'm tired of hearing about the royal family. Get used to it. Okay. It is ingrained in human DNA that those, the, uh, the, People in positions of authority, uh, hereditary monarchs ever since the days of the French court and the, the dramas and the, the soap operas around that, the, the, um, the public, particularly the Western public, is interested in stories about royals, aristocrats, and people of status, okay, one way or the other. So this was a great conversation to uncover and kind of fact check and cross-reference a lot of what's going on in the conversation around Harry and Meghan and this just massive tidal wave of media that they are involved in right now. Kinsey, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you oh thank you so much to die for daily.com and the to die for daily podcast oh and i have a book called r is for revenge dress about princess diana love it everybody who's interested in these topics or even if you're not listen to kinsey read her book thank you once again for joining us I am Matt Belinsky. Once again, you can listen and subscribe to The Prevailing Narrative on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. Make sure to follow me on my socials at Matt Belinsky, M-A-T-T-B-I-L-I-N-S-K-Y. The Prevailing Narrative is a Cavalry Audio production produced by Brandon Morgan, executive produced by Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. For Cavalry Audio, I'm Matt Belinsky. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>